Yeah, it's, it's great that you're standing beside Michael Jordan, and that's a legendary picture, but you uh, are a spitting image of an early Tom Cruise in this picture. <laughs> like a risky business era Tom Cruise. Yeah. Help me, Tom Cruise! Tom Cruise used a witchcraft on me to get the fire off me! Get ready for the fastest two hours on radio. I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Time. We plan to communicate this proactively in a culturally competent manner. Time to play the game! See, I told you this in the past, Bo Thompson. A kitchen table dialogue. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. I've taught you everything you know, but I haven't taught you everything I know. Four years as NC Governor. It's good to be with you on the Bo Thompson Show. Oh, you I take that cheap with... shot. Do you have a name that we can call Bill Graham before we leave? Yes, genius. <laughs> WBT presents... Good morning, Pat. It is a beautiful day in Charlotte. The Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson. I just wanted to say how much I appreciate your show. I've been listening to it since it started. It's the best decision WBT ever made. You are freaking hilarious. Culturally competent information through the lens of health equity. Driven by Felix Sabatis, Mercedes-Benz of South Charlotte. Welcome to the Hump Day edition. Hurt my back this morning. You know, I just realized how much our life has changed in the last year. It's been about a year now since COVID first came to our country. Mm-hmm. No one would have ever imagined that we'd be at the state we are today. I wouldn't have imagined. I did not predict it correctly. No one at that time did. Donald Trump did not. Nancy Pelosi did not. Joe Biden did not. Dr. Fucci or Fauci did not, <laughs> no one predicted the things that would occur between that time it first came to Washington State and retirement home to today. Everyone was wrong, except for Bo Thompson, of course. No, I was wrong, too. Hmm. David from Asheville says he was right the whole time. <laughs> well, well, he stayed at home before the pandemic. But the reason my back hurts, since you don't seem to care... I was wondering why you were moving around a little uh, gingerly today. Well, I walked out the door today with Mo, because every morning I have to walk Mo, mm-hmm. although his back legs are going and it's really <coughs> killing me. Um, I tripped over a bunch of Coca-Cola, cases of Coca-Cola cans on my front porch. Diet Coke, caffeine and caffeine-free, which my wife lives on. Me too. And uh, I tripped over them, and I went, where'd these come from? Well, next to that, there were several other bags of groceries. We are now doing one half of our grocery shopping delivered. That's all my wife does. And now, at least twice a week, we're delivering food, cooked food, to our house for a Mexican restaurant at Park Road Shopping Center. Yeah. Those businesses, the delivery businesses, Mm -hmm. have had a great year. But I would have never imagined that a year ago, that... You know, I remember when uh, Amazon bought Whole Foods and they said they're going to go in the home delivery business. I'm going, are you kidding me? I want to go feel the grapefruits. (laughs) (laughs) Isolate that piece of audio. (laughs) You know, I want to look at the lettuce. There's some Animal House references here that I won't bring up. (laughs) You go in a store now and start handling all the lettuce, you're going to get some looks. That's true. But I still do the grocery. I still do most of the grocery store shopping. I did it yesterday, but I, now it turns out she did too. Sounds so, like, think like of, what are all the other things that have changed 
since this COVID. Zoom. I'd never heard of Zoom a year ago. Now I'm doing everything by Zoom. Mm -hmm. From work meetings to Bible study to family reunions to Christmas. Zoom. And now there are like three other types of Zooms, which are confusing me completely. Well, that's because you have other companies that are trying to get in on it now. They are. Yeah. And so you have to have an app for every one of them. Mm -hmm. And I'm just figuring out on Zoom when they send you this, uh, you know, they send you the password and everything. Right. See, I've always written it down on a piece of paper instead of just pushing the daggum button and going straight to Zoom. <laughs> I've gone to my app, gone in the app, and then filled in the password and the codes and the <laughs> capital and non-capital and numbers. And I just found out a week ago I didn't need to do that this whole time. Expired. It's tough on us baby baby boomers doing this stuff. So what else is what else has changed well, the fact in your you, life? I went and got a haircut a couple of days ago and now By Zoom? No, no, you asked me what's changed other than Zoom, mm -hmm. the fact that you have to maneuver with a mask everywhere. You know, it's it's a kind of difficult cutting somebody's hair and around the ears and on the you know, with the mask on. So you, they have to go through this whole thing where you you unhook the mask, but you hold it to your face. And I just was thinking while this was happening, you know, they've become adept at cutting someone's hair with the mask on. That's a, that's a new skill that they've had to learn this past year that they never mm. dreamed they'd have to get used to. Mm. But the whole idea of... I don't um, think I've gone that far at the barbershop. <laughs> well, you don't... How, how do you get a haircut then? I, my you, barber wears a mask. I wear a mask coming in. But, but you I, don't while you're getting the haircut. Not last time. No, see, I have to. I mean, there, there's, you don't have a choice. But uh, I guess I'm not going. Oh, to. we all have a choice. <laughs> that is true. You could buy one of those George Clooney haircut things or you cut can, your hair yourself wearing them. You would wear a I mask think, then. Probably. I don't think you and me are getting our haircut at the same places. No, I actually, my barber left the barbershop that she was at to go get a separate room by itself so she could be more flexible in dealing with this thing. Yeah. Plus, it's more private, which is nice. Well, there's another thing that's that's come with the pandemic, making appointments to do things that you used to not have to make appointments for. You know, I know I know a buddy. Yeah, seeing a doctor now. Right. You, well, I, I had a virtual doctor's appointment I, the other day. I did, too. First time I'd ever done that. Anyway, you want to ask about my back? And you still haven't really asked me. You haven't shown concern how, about my how back. How much Diet Coke did you order? A lot. Okay, well, there My wife, I don't do it anymore. I'm now drinking no sugar-free. I've gotten off Coke. Sugar-free. I like Coke. I still cheat. A cola. A diet. I can't drink the cold stuff. But I drink uh, either Powerade, no sugar, or mm -hmm. Gatorade, no sugar. Mm -hmm. One of the two. Yep. Very tasty. No yep. sugar. I was in... Petrol water? No. What's that kind of water? Flavored water? Uh, Not vitamin water? Yeah, it was called something else. But Propel? It getting, Propel. Yeah, we love that. It was getting too expensive. Yeah, Propel's, we're all over that. It's, I, which is your favorite Propel? Uh, probably the uh, strawberry lemonade. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
Not the best, but things I never thought black would be cherry, about. black cherry. Yeah, black cherries. You always can't go wrong with black cherry. But I've kind of gone to sugar-free, no sugar, Gatorade or Powerade. Point is, uh, the cases are getting heavy because your your back's hurting. Yeah. So coming up, we've got uh, <laughs> we've got like 300 people wanting to fill a city council seat instead wow. of running for it and earning it. About they ha- they want to be appointed by it. About half that, but that's and still then a we've number. got an impeachment process that sounds like it's going to be a total waste of time and i'll talk about the game of impeachment see i have been in the game i've played the game i've been played by the game and we're here to expose the game during the next two hours on the pat mccrory show and he injured his back in the game i even come injured diet coke will do it to you this is the pat mccrory show with bo thompson on news talk 1110 99.3 wpt Welcome back to the Pat McCrory. Uh, Pat McCrory. Gosh. I've been working with you for three years. That's <laughs> the first time I've... Messed up my bung- name? Bungled your name. Wow. That's not a good sign. The Pat McCrory Show continues Pat on Pat McCoy. <laughs> Senate Republicans voted overwhelmingly against holding the impeachment trial yesterday, all but five backing an argument by Kentucky Senator Rand Paul that such a trial would be unconstitutional. You know, Rand Paul's, I think, been quite impressive lately on talking about uh, needing to look at how votes are made and regulated either by the state or federal government. Does the state legislature do it? And, of course, the liberal media attacks him because you can't bring up the word fraud. And he's really not talking about the word fraud. He's talking about election irregularities and laws and process but the media is either fraud or no fraud. And so are some Republicans, fraud or no fraud. The language of fraud is distorting the facts. And it's being done by both Republicans and Democrats, both former President Trump and, and uh, George Stephanopoulos and, 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 and the Democrats at this point in time. They misuse the word fraud. So we played that interview uh, with George Stephanopoulos the other day. Yeah, with Rand Paul. And then Rand Paul uh, was on the Senate floor. I watched it live. Late yesterday. Mm -hmm. You want to hear some of that? Yeah, I'd like to because it's a very impressive presentation. That's the good news. The bad news, there were hardly any senators in the chamber while he spoke. What of Democrat incitement to violence? No Democrat will honestly ask whether Bernie Sanders incited the shooter that nearly killed Steve Scalise and volunteer coach. The shooter nearly pulled off a massacre. I was there because he fervently believed the false and inflammatory rhetoric spewed by Bernie and other Democrats, such as the Republican health care plan for the uninsured is that you die. As this avowed Bernie Supporters shot Steve Scalise, nearly killing him, and shot one of our coaches and two or three of our staff. He screamed, this is for health care. Ask me or anyone if that's incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Cory Booker incited violence when he called for his supporters to get, get up in their face of Congress people. A very visual and specific incitement. No Democrat will ask whether Maxine Waters incited violence when she literally told her supporters, and I quote, that if you see a member of the Trump administration at a restaurant, at an apartment store, at a gas station, or any place, you create a crowd and you push back on them. Is that not incitement? 
My wife and I were pushed and surrounded and screamed at by this same type of mob that Maxine likes to inspire. It's terrifying to have a swarm of people threatening to kill you, cursing at you and literally holding you hostage until police come to your rescue. That night we were assaulted by the crowd. I wasn't sure if we'd survive even with the police protection. But no Democrat has ever considered impeaching Maxine for her violent rhetoric. In fact, Republicans, to our credit, have never once thought it legitimate to formally censor or impeach these Democrats. No Republican has sought to use the government to hold these Democrats responsible for Antifa and Black Lives Matter violence that has consumed our cities all summer resulting in over a billion dollars of destruction, looting, and property damage. Not one Republican said, oh, let's impeach the Democrats who are inciting this, because it would be ridiculous. That was yesterday on the uh, Senate floor. I'll tell you, that hit me personally. I just happened to cut on C-SPAN. I actually watch C-SPAN, so I don't have a filter of what they're saying. And um, when he said he and his wife were attacked and they felt threatened, and it was tough to deal with, I could relate to that because I've been surrounded by these people who verbally assault you and at times physically assault you, threaten you, and it's so disconcerting. And I'll tell, I'll, frankly, I'll be honest with you, it scares the hell out of me. And it even is in my decision-making factor of whether to get back into public service. After I saw the riots... In Seattle and Portland, it reminded me of some of the people that attacked me as governor and as mayor and as a private citizen after I left the governor's office. And then after I saw the riots and the attack on the Capitol, it reminded me of some people that I've had to deal with as a fellow Republican where I go, they're going too far. And uh, Rand Paul's right on. I wish he would have saved that speech for the impeachment hearing. Because he didn't really, in that one moment, you're not connecting the constitutional aspect. And real, the real constitutional aspect is freedom of speech for even elected officials. And he must have listened to the Pat McCrory Show because for months we've been talking about politicians who use the word fight. Almost every politician and you as constituents love it when we go, we're going to fight for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. Go for it, man. You're going to fight for us. No, we're not. We're going to debate for you. <laughs> Politicians are lying when they're going to say they're going to fight for you. They're going to debate. They're going to argue. Said the guy who uh, pulled his back out picking up Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And you don't seem to care. Oh, I do. You're not willing to fight for me. Want my Diet Coke? I got plenty of it over here. Can't drink it with a mask on. That's uh, true. <laughs> this is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110 99.3 WPT. But when you talk about destruction, don't you know that you can count me out? Don't you know it's going to be So when you talk about destruction, you can count me out, too. I thought the first impeachment of Donald J. Trump was trying to destroy the Constitution. It was making the form of impeachment 
a political wedge as opposed to a constitutional wedge to protect the people of the United States from a president who's abusing their power. And I thought the first impeachment was abusing the power of the Congress, not of the executive branch, by starting impeachment hearings, knowing that they had no chance of winning whatsoever. It was a political statement, not a constitutional statement. I think it's the same way with this impeachment. In fact, I see this impeachment being a diversion. In fact, the definition of politics is the art of diversion. Divert attention away from something that you don't want people to focus on. And right now, the Democrats, in their political wisdom, want to have all the focus on these radical demonstrators who were anarchists attacking the Capitol building, attacking the seat of democracy. And the Democrats want those videos to be played over and over and over again because there's no way you can defend it. And while they're playing these videos over and over and over again on the major networks, and they will play them during the impeachment hearings, I guarantee it, President Biden will be able to sign more executive orders, which will get very little attention, very left-wing, radical, extreme executive orders in which the executive branch, the president of the United States, is starting to implement law, not policy. Impeachment diverts the attention from that. That's the game being played right now. Now, let me present to you out of fairness, the arguments on impeachment. Chuck Schumer says impeachment is needed because if you don't, you can impeach a former president on activities that he did as president because that protects the nation in the future from the president, a future president, from doing something illegal or abusing the office near the end of the term. So, If you use the argument that you can't impeach a president because they're out of office, that means there's a possibility that presidents can then abuse the office at the end of the term when they know they're not coming back on January the 20th. That's Chuck Schumer's argument. It's a fair argument. The Republicans' argument is the Constitution says impeach the president. Not the ex-president. In fact, Justice Roberts is not even presiding over the impeachment hearings, which is very unique because he says it's not the president. And the Constitution specifically says the chief justice presides over the impeachment of the president, not the ex-president. So the Democrats are downplaying that Chief Justice Roberts is not even showing up for the impeachment hearing. And I've noticed no other Supreme Court justice is going, well, I'll do it then. They're staying away from this. They're staying away from this political game. And the other argument among the Republicans is, well, if you can impeach ex-presidents like President Trump, why not go ahead and start impeachment hearings against other ex-presidents? Bush, Obama, Carter. Carter's still alive. We can impeach him on, I don't know, maybe the Iranian hostage issue sending those helicopters in, and it was abusing his power. You think they wouldn't like to revisit Bill Clinton?
Oh, I've just got to him. Carter's the oldest living one, so they yeah. got to hit Carter pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, Carter couldn't even make the inauguration, and I, I, I really like the guy. Um, he's an honorable man. I disagreed with his policies, but he's an honorable man. He was a governor, too. How can you not like him? Clinton. Maybe you can even impeach presidents that are no longer alive using this logic. Go back and go ahead and try to convict Nixon. Another interesting point that has been made, the House of Representatives that voted for impeachment was a different House of Representatives that is now in office. I'm surprised no one's brought that up as a challenge. But we're wasting our time. This is just a waste of political equity, and it makes a mockery of our Constitution. Knowing the end result, the media is going to cover it gavel to gavel, and it diverts our attention. From what Biden's doing, and Biden could stop this at a moment's notice. He could tell Schumer and Pelosi, stop it. Biden gets it. Biden gets it. He likes the focus to still be on on Donald Trump, on the negative aspects of Donald Trump. Biden likes this. And Biden's been kind of devious going, well, that's the Senate's decision. Really? Come on. That means the president doesn't give input to the Senate's decision anymore? You're not telling the truth, Mr. President. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110-993 WPT. Nine minutes in front of nine o'clock here on WBT, Pat McCrory Show on a Wednesday. President Joe Biden signed four executive actions Tuesday, yesterday, aimed at advancing racial equity as part of his push to uh, use his presidential power to uh, implement parts of his agenda. He's been very aggressive out of the gates. We've talked about that, Governor. And uh, like I said, uh, and we expect more today, but uh, yesterday the focus was on uh, racial, racial equity. News Talk 1110 W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm um, the new PC word in politics with the Biden administration is the word equity. Mm -hmm. Our Constitution emphasized the word equal justice under the law. Now the new Democratic progressive word is equity. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I'm confused. I heard. The new Biden administration official, what's her name, who's head of domestic policy affairs, uh, used to work for Obama. I'll have to look it up. I don't. Wait I don't, a minute. I don't her name just slipped. Recall. Anyway, she she was on PBS NewsHour, and I literally, Susan Rice is her name. Oh, okay, yeah. Susan Rice was interviewed by the anchor of uh, PBS. And just said, describe to us the actions of uh, President Biden about equity. And Susan Rice went on with almost no interruption by the anchor. And she had me dumbfounded. I mean, everything she said, I couldn't kind of disagree with because it was all just phrases. It was feel-good phrases without knowing what the real implications are of equity. So right now, I'm, I'm even looking up. And this is the former 
Susan Rice, national security advisor and yeah, the ambassador, right? She was an ambassador, and now yeah. she's qualified to be domestic advisor. Yeah. Can you imagine putting the domestic advisor in charge of the U.N. now? And you'd go, wait a minute. I'm not sure the qualifications there. So she's the now she's the director of the U.S. Domestic Policy Council. And I'm still trying to figure it out. I, I'm maybe not smart enough. Um, you went to Davidson. Maybe you can figure it out. I, I'm, I, well, I didn't see the show. But I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm just pulling up Googling. I'm Googling equity tools. Words and multiple uses reflect the tremendous diversity that characterizes our society. Indeed, wait a minute, can, can we pull out the piano while I read this? Because this is, almost nothing is over my head because you know how brilliant I am, right, Bo? Well, you can multitask. You can do a segment and play the piano. It's pretty obvious, right? So let me read the racial equity tools. Words in their multiple uses reflect their tremendous diversity that characterizes our society. Indeed, universally agreed upon language on issues relating to racism is non-existent. We discovered that even the most frequently used words in any discussion on race can easily cause confusion, which leads to controversy and hostility. It is essential to, see, uh, to achieve some degree of shared understanding, particularly when using the most common terms in the way that the quality of dialogue and discourse on race can be enhanced. Oh, that ivory. That ivory feels so good on my fingertips, and the ebony feels even better. It's equitable. The ebony and ivory is equitable as it touches my fingertips. Do you see that? Bo Thompson? Yep, I'm, uh, I'm Language can be used deliberately to engage and support community anti-racism coalitions and initiatives or to inflame and divide them. Discussing definitions can engage and support coalitions. However, it is important for groups to decide the extent to which they must have consensus and where it is okay for people to disagree. It is also helpful to keep in mind that the words people use to discuss power, privilege, racism, and oppression hold different meanings for different people. For instance, people at different stages of developing an analysis tend to attach different meanings to words like discrimination, privilege, institutional racism. Furthermore, when people are talking about privilege or racism, the words they use often come with emotions and assumptions <sighs> that are not spoken. <laughs> this person doesn't believe in a period. I have no idea. That's the racial equity tools glossary. God. Keep going. Oh. So the executive order on advancing racial equity says the following, and see if you can understand this. By the authority vested in me as president of the Constitution laws of the United States of America, it is hereby ordered that policy requires equal opportunity is the bedrock of American democracy and our diversity is one of our country's greatest strengths. But for too many, the American dream remains out of reach. 
entrenched disparities in her laws and public policies and in her public and private institutions have often denied that equal opportunity to individuals and communities. Our country faces converging economic health and climate crises that have exposed and exacerbated inequities, while an historic movement for justice has highlighted the unbearable human cost of systematic racism. Our nation deserves an ambitious whole-of-government equity agenda that matches the scale of opportunities and the challenges that we face. Can I uh, change? You know, I just, I've just got a note from the program manager. <laughs> <laughs> You've lost half the audience. I co This is our note. president. <laughs> our president. It is therefore the policies of my administration, the Hang federal on. government. Can I at least pep up the music here? I mean... It is therefore the policy of my administration that the federal government should pursue a comprehensive approach to advancing equity for all, including people of colors and others who have been historically underserved, marginalized. And I can't take it. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> what a game. What a game. I mean, whoever wrote this, this is academia at its worst. We have no idea what they're talking about. And you know why? Because that's exactly what they want. I'm just impressed you're still playing the piano. I'm dizzy talking. right now. Yeah, me too. Hold on just a sec. I can't go back. I've, I've got to go back. I've got to go back slower. Oh, I can't keep this no. pace up. Here's what I have to do. I have to go to the news. One day they'll tell a story. And some will say it was just a fairy tale. Everything you said is true. Absolutely true. 14 years as Charlotte Mayor. Always given, never taken. But you're having fun. I know I'm, you are. I'm having a good time with Bo Thompson. Somewhere yes. between the right and the left, there's the middle. Four years as NC Governor. This is the best of America. God bless y'all. Behind the scenes conversations. You can't handle the truth. No talking points. Hey, Pat, it's Donald, and I just want to tell you to keep up the good work. We're proud of you. Perspective you won't find anywhere else. Don't put your stupid hat on. WBT presents. It's time for a Carolina comeback. The Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson. I always go right, guys. <laughs> By advancing equity across the federal government, we can create opportunities for improvement of communities that have been historically underserved, which benefits everyone. For example, an analysis shows the closing racial gaps and Wages, housing credit, lending opportunities, and access to higher education. Okay, I, I've got to make. To I've got to make an executive order right here. Yes, I'm uh, still reading this. To through, bring, I've been reading it for 20 minutes. I'm still. I haven't even got to definitions of President Biden's order. My order is: we bring equity to this conversation and move on to Does something else. Does that include? Else. Are we going to advance equity? You don't even know what equity means. Is it systematic, fair, just, and impartial treatment? My order says I don't have to listen to this anymore. <laughs> well, speaking of equity, we've got to make sure we have an equity treatment of who fills the uh, Smudgy Mitchell's city council position. The deadline to fill this vacancy was, or to apply to fill the vacancy, mm -hmm. was yesterday. This I'm, is because James Smudgy Mitchell is now working for a construction firm. He's going to be president of a major construction firm, Leaper Construction firm, 
and therefore he has to remove himself from city council because of all the direct business that they do with the city of Charlotte. And so... Is this a district seat or an at-large seat? This is an at-large seat. At-large seat. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the replacement will be selected by council, must mm -hmm. be a Democrat, same party as James Mitchell, mm -hmm. who resigned January 11th. The mm -hmm. term ends December 6th. And so the deadline to apply was yesterday. Um, I don't know how many people we thought would apply for this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, ballpark, but I don't think many people would have said 138. 138 people applying for a vacant at-large city council. We don't have that many people running for city. <laughs> we, we're barely recruiting anyone to run for city council, especially Republicans. And by the way, Joe Bruno reporting this morning from mm -hmm. Channel 9 that uh, there were five more uh, that apparently are, are going to be added to that mix by by some way. So 143 well, the, is the new number. That's the equitable thing to do. Yeah, I guess so. Because we'll have to move the deadline uh, several more days just to make sure it was fair and reasonable and not systematic. Wrong. Here's what else we know. 143 applicants. Mm -hmm. So now the city council will have to vet those mm. 143. Well qualified. Every one of those city council members are well qualified to vet those applicants. And part of that process is a special public forum Friday for the candidates as part mm. of a special council meeting. hundred and some speeches. Yes. When, in fact, the city council probably already knows who they're going to select. I guarantee it. The votes are already lined up for somebody right now. So we might want to think of what are the qualifications that the city council is looking for to fill this vacant at-large seat? Well, I can think of one. Since they're replacing James Smudgy Mitchell, they've got to have a nickname. Think so? Oh, of course. They're, they're replacing James Smudgy Mitchell. So whoever is applying needs to put a nickname. That's the equitable thing to do. We know it's got to be a Democrat now with a nickname. So 143 Democrats with nicknames. Let's see. What's the city council comprised of, too? What is the makeup of the city council? How many women and men do we have on the city council? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about political affiliation because uh, there are two, two Republicans. Two Republicans, but how many men and women are there? Because we've got to make sure there's, there's equity regarding gender, race, sexuality, gender identification, Gender expression. Oh, let's see. What other qualifications are there? Nicknames. You'll have to have a nickname. Yeah. There are five female members of council. Mm. And uh, there are six, if you count the mayor. Six uh, on the council. You count the mayor. So there are six females. Six males. Six and six. That's right. It, so maybe we ought to select someone who doesn't classify themselves as either male, male or female to make it equitable, according to Joe Biden's uh, executive order. It's six and six. Six people who identify. I, 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 I think I counted wrong. I think uh, it's I think it's six and five. Well, there there are eleven council members and one mayor. Yeah. So that's 12 people. Well, I, was, I, I just said the mayor, if you count the mayor, then that's obviously okay, another female. Okay, six, six and six. So we have six men and six women on the council. Maybe we need someone different than them. I'm just trying to be equitable because that's the kind of guy I am. 
What other issues do we have among those six, 12 people? We know men and women and gender. Do we know each of their sexuality? Because that seems to be everyone's business now. I don't want to get into that because it's none of my business. What other things should we look at? Experience? No, no. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Decision-making ability, problem-solving ability, financial acumen? No. That's not a qualification for elective office anymore. It has to do with the things that matter. How you look, how you feel. That's going to be the major qualification. Not experience in decision-making or business acumen or financial acumen or problem-solving skills. Nah, that's irrelevant now in elective office. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110-993 WBT. 921 on WBT. Pat McCrory Show continues. Hang on one second. Breaking news on the Pat McCrory Show. North Carolina State Board of Elections has just sent out a press release within the last few minutes, which says the Constitutional Party, the Constitution Party and the Green Party are no longer recognized political parties in North Carolina. Both parties failed to turn out the required 2% of the total vote for their candidate for governor or for presidential electors in the 2020 election. So anyone whose uh, affiliation with either of those parties will probably change to an unaffiliated status from here on out. Now, let me tell you the ramifications of this. It hurts the Republicans in the 22 elections because what typically happens is the Libertarian Party is still on the ballot. They met the requirements, and the Libertarian Party on the ballot, along with the Republican and Democratic on the ballot, tend to hurt Republicans because some Republicans will vote for the Libertarian candidate more than the Democrats vote for the Libertarian candidate. So it takes votes away from Republicans. The Green Party takes votes away from Democrats. In fact, some would say the Green Party cost Al Gore the election on major uh, ballots like in Florida where very liberal environmentalists voted for the Green Party instead of voted for Al Gore. The Republicans were actually hoping the Green Party on the ballot would help Donald Trump, Tom Tillis, and Dan Forrest. And it may well have done just that. Didn't get a lot of votes, but it didn't take many for a close election, which both Donald Trump and Tillis had. Dan's wasn't close in that regard. But that's a uh, major announcement by the North Carolina State Board of Elections in which they're taking the Constitution Party and the Green Party off the ballot. And if you're registered in either one of those uh, parties, you'll probably be moved and listed as an unaffiliated voter, which means you could still vote in either primary, which a lot of people sign up as that so they can select the primary in which they vote. And these days with gerrymandering, especially in local elections, including right here in Charlotte-Mecklenburg, almost all elections will be decided in the 21 election for city council in the primary because of the gerrymandering that the Democrats have done at the local level. So that's the breaking news. 
big news which could impact the 22 election, especially if it's a close election for uh, state Senate, state House, U.S. Senate. It could have an impact, no doubt about it. And the impact will probably be negative toward the Republicans running for the U.S. Senate. And if you uh, were joining us last segment, we were talking about, speaking of elections, this uh, special election, I guess you call it, to, uh, to uh, replace James Smudgy Mitchell, 143 applicants that have applied for this. You have to be a Democrat, obviously, to uh, be appointed to fill the seat, but the council will choose, and uh, Friday we'll have a public forum, and this could take a while. You know what wouldn't surprise me or might be a wise thing for the Democrats to do is appoint one of the district reps into the at-large slot and then create another opening for one of the district slots. Can they do that? Yeah, I think they can. Anyone's eligible for that that at-large slot, so... That's true, but then you'd have to uh, have the appointment be just from from a district that's correct yeah that's correct but the at-large seats um i think are the best seats to have when you serve on city council you tend to be chairman of a committee and you represent the whole city and you don't have to get bogged down by one zoning item well it's in your district larkin eggleston uh, announced earlier mm-hmm. this week that he was going to run for yeah. an at-large seat later this year but that's an interesting idea uh and maybe a kind of a hybrid of what you're talking about is it allow people on council here to also audition to be elevated to that spot yeah you wonder- it'd be risky but you know i frankly am disappointed that all these people want to get an at-large seat the easy way instead of running for it because right now we don't have enough people running for local offices and especially that's true in the republican party because the the word out on the street that a republican never win an at-large seat well that's absolutely true especially if we don't have any republicans running were you uh, an at-large city council member? I ran at-large the very first time. Very first I time. I took a risk. I did not want to be a district seat because I saw that at-large seats had more influence over the larger city. I'm a firm believer in at-large seats. And now the city council is talking about reducing the number of at-large seats from four to three and increasing the number of district seats, which I think is a mistake because it's more of a gerrymandered seat. The only non-gerrymandered seats are the at-large seats. So here in 2021, if someone says to you, uh, Mayor, Governor McCrory, I'd like some advice on running for office, you would always say uh, run at-large, start with running at-large? If you want to make a difference, I think the vote all equals the same, but you have more influence at-large, especially in committee assignments. That's how it used to be. It's kind of changing because the district reps are kind of going, we'll coalesce against these at-large. You at-large people think you're a big shot because you're elected by everyone. And now the way the city council is working, and not just Charlotte, but many towns, is these district reps think they're the mini mayors. And that's not the reason we have district representation was not to create mini mayors. It was to ensure that we have representatives from across the state. But that doesn't necessarily mean you only represent your district. But sadly, over the last decade, a lot of our district reps basically go, I'm the boss. I'm the ward boss of this district. It's kind of like getting to be Chicago politics in Charlotte, which is extremely disappointing. So would you rather just have all of the spots be at large? Yes. Yeah. I would be, especially now that I think in the old days they were all at large. 
when John Belk was mayor. And then what happened was almost everyone that elected went to Myers Park Presbyterian Church. We had no diversity of geographic diversity, much less racial diversity. That's why the district seats were set, put together. But since then, the district seats have become kind of like ward politicians, which I think is dangerous for representation and dangerous for corruption. And uh, when I ran for at-large city council, 17 people ran for that for an at-large seat. So there was one open seat, you know, with a non-incumbent. 17 mm-hmm. people ran. I suppose and that four won. some might say that I, I'm not well-known enough, so I should run within a district and then get on council and make a name and then yeah, but the develop is, that mass appeal. Yeah, but the problem is running for the district seat, you've got to run to the far left or run to the far right in order to get the vote for your primary because we have two gerrymandered Republican seats and all the rest are gerrymandered Democratic seats. Although now looking at the Charlotte votes, it's going to be tough for a Republican to win, but it's even tougher to win if you don't run. And Great. the party better do something about it because the Republican Party is losing any influence in local elections, which down the road are going to impact us at the state level. See that right there? That is the heart of the show from a seven-term Charlotte mayor. This is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WPT. phrase put me in different implications when it comes to baseball this morning uh, no one put in the hall of fame for 2021 that's not because of the pandemic or anything uh, like that it's because nobody qualified for the 75 percent threshold for the baseball hall of fame the closest to it 71.1 percent these are baseball writers voting yesterday kurt schilling is close but no cigar and then behind him barry bonds 61.8 percent roger clemens right behind bonds and of course uh, barry bonds and roger clemens it's well documented that uh, they have been linked to peds they neither one of them has admitted to using steroids but both of them are kind of mired in that controversy but governor kurt schilling uh, is not connected to peds what he is connected to is his social media and political outspokenness since he finished playing and uh, there are many that believe the writers are keeping him out of the uh, the hall of fame because of uh, things he said he was fired by espn after posting a derogatory message on social media about transgender people uh, several years back uh, he has uh, said before that he was in favor of what happened on the capitol three weeks ago today he uh, so he has a long list of things that uh, are politically incorrect to some and so now you have a situation where we're we're keeping people out of the hall of fame it would seem not because of things that they were involved in controversial when they played in fact in, in Schilling's case it's not even what he did on the field it's what he said uh since he retired uh completely off the field and unrelated to the game the pc police just got elected to the hall of fame baseball hall of fame and canton ohio is going to suffer from this because I guarantee you there's some people in the Hall right. of Fame right now. Canton's the NFL. You're talking about Cooperstown. God. 
the first mistake I've ever made in three years. I know. Well, I mean, whatever. Took you a while. Whatever. Canton, Cooperstown. I was from Ohio. I was thinking Canton. Yeah. No, I know what you're thinking. I just. You just had to correct me on live radio. I guess this disqualifies it's me just, from the just you media me hall of fame, the radio <laughs> broadcasters hall of fame. They'll come back and play this tape. Do you know where the broadcasters hall of fame is located? The radio hall of fame? Mm-hmm. I don't think I do. I can't believe it. Well, go look it up. I, I know. John, where do you know? I know where the sportscasters hall of fame is. Sportscasters? Mm-hmm. Where's that? Salisbury, North Carolina. Uh, they, yeah, yeah, that's right. On Ennis Street. That's right. I, I don't know where the uh, the. Uh, I have to look that up. So Kurt Schelling is he has the record to deserve to get in. This he, is the guy with the bloody sock. That's right. During the World Series, playing for Boston, right? That's correct. And he won the game with a, with and he's bleeding at the time of the game. Yep. It was almost like a Field of Dreams movie. It was almost like The Natural with Robert Redford. You know, where he's bleeding in the stomach. That's right. Kurt Schilling was bleeding on the ankle. I didn't know his political viewpoints, nor did I care while he was pitching in that incredible series. It's probably the last time I've watched a baseball game. So the PC police have won again in sports because the liberal police, the PC police, have taken over the sports industry. Well, I mean, has, if you, if just watch ESPN. It's all liberalism. He's got one more year of eligibility. Uh, How many times? This is like the second or third vote, though. Oh no, you're 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 eligible for ten years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so then after. How long has he been out? Uh, well, this is, would be nine because this is his last year coming up. Wow. So, uh, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens. Now, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, I could probably argue too, because the owners at that time, when Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and McGuire and all them were taking steroids like it was aspirin all the owners knew it so well, we got to make sure all those owners aren't allowed in the hall of fame either you yeah, don't think steinbrenner knew that steroids were everywhere in baseball every owner in the nfl the nb and the uh uh what's the baseball mlb mlb they knew steroids were everywhere so the people who were taking it were filling the fans. They were selling lots of food, selling lots, lots of tickets. ABC, NBC knew there were steroids in baseball. And they didn't say a word about it because the ratings were huge when Frank McGuire and Mark, whatever, and Sosa, Tommy yeah. Sosa, Sammy, whatever. Yeah. Canseco. We'll yeah. His first Roger name. Canseco. <laughs> Jose. Whatever. <laughs> but here's the thing about uh, Bonds and uh, Willie Clemens. Bonds. <laughs> Bonds and Clemens, you could make the argument that they had the numbers to get in the Hall of Fame before Absolutely. the steroid era started. There are a lot of players in the Hall of Fame right now in Cooperstown mm -hmm. who took steroids. And everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. it was an accepted thing to do. It was the wrong thing to do, but it was the accepted thing to do. I mean, all you had to do was look at their muscles and their face. Who was the other guy? Conseco? Jose Conseco. Jose Conseco. Mm -hmm. God. That guy was Superman. 
So Schilling said this, quote, I will not participate in the final year of voting. I am requesting to be removed from the ballot. I'll defer to the Veterans Committee and men whose opinions actually matter and who are in the position to actually judge a player. I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, as I've often stated, but if former players think I am, then I will accept the honor, unquote. He drew the line in the sand. He's tired of the humiliation. And I don't agree with everything Kurt, Kurt says, but it has nothing to do with the Baseball Hall of Fame. Are we going to start doing this in all the Hall of Fames? You have to meet a political litmus test in the United States of America to get into a sports Hall of Fame? This is, this is the purging of America, purging of our First Amendment rights, and it's wrong. And we need to call out the MLB. The contradictions are amazing. These sports writers. And again, this they're the, is. They're the sports writers are some of the most pompous writers lately. You know, me and we've gotten into this with our, our sports guest. You know, I listen to ESPN, and they're always giving us their political viewpoints, and I'm not listening to hear their political viewpoints. I'm listening to CNN and. Fox and everyone else, I expect their political viewpoints from the editorial. This this station right now, I'm giving my editorial viewpoint. People are listening to hear editorial viewpoints. I'm not wanting to watch a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game to look at slogans on the field or the court or on helmets. And if we are going to start doing that, let's have conservative slogans too. But I don't want to hear them either or see them. I want an escape from politics when I watch sports. And if you notice lately, the networks are kind of moving away from it. Yes, ESPN, uh, I mean, they, they've... Their ratings have suffered. But they've already shifted. They just, I, I could start naming names, but I won't, but they've already sort of shifted in the talk sports and not politics uh, mantra if you look at how some of it's going. It's, it's a sad commentary on our... Ability to have dialogue in our nation. And I'll tell you what, where it's really happening is corporate America right now. In corporate America, employees are not... The only employees who are allowed to speak about their political beliefs are the CEOs. Who tend to now be left-wing CEOs. Because they want to meet the pseudo-elite criteria of the liberal established elite in New York City. That's the way it is right now. And it's a sad commentary on our democracy. And, and you see Facebook and, and the other uh, platforms doing the same thing. This is, this is moving very rapidly. You also see some of these CEOs that you speak of, if they don't like something that another CEO says, then they will call them on the carpet. We've seen that happen, too. Yeah, it's usually about a liberal platform. Hold on, I'm getting a memo from HR right now. Memo says, go to traffic. Oh, that's what that, that, that was five minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So we will, and we'll also make way for uh, your opinions. The big I'm not going to censor you unless you're cuss. Call names, because I don't like it. I'll mm -hmm. tell you where my censor is. I don't like name calling. But other than that, we'll let you uh, get through. Does Kurt Schilling belong in the Hall of Fame? What do you think? 704-374-3800. Does Pat McCrory and, belong in the Broadcast Hall of Fame? And for the guy who ran into me at uh, the grocery store last night, I want you to call in. I want to hear from you. Or the guy who left the Diet Cokes on your front porch.
No, that was my wife who ordered. Or, I actually went to the grocery store, okay. and this wonderful guy <laughs> came up to me who listens to our show. He says, I don't agree with anything you say, but I really like your show. <laughs> That's this is the Pat McCrory Show with Bo Thompson on News Talk 1110, 99.3 WPT. Consistent with this role, the DPC will coordinate efforts to enable equity principle policies and approaches across the federal government. This will include efforts to remove systematic barriers to and provide equal access to opportunities and benefits, identify communities the federal government has underserved, and develop policies designed okay, I gotta, to advance... I got to call an audible again. This stuff's, this stuff's fascinating, what yeah. Biden signed. It's fascinating. I would rather listen to our listeners. 704-374-3800. The big finish has arrived. You Thankfully, don't know what good stuff is. Mercifully. I mean, <laughs> he's been hearing it during every break. I know. I can't quit reading it. It's so impelling. Compelling. That too. And impelling. <laughs> it's about to impel me. Impaling. <laughs> Let's have some callers, man. Morning, guys. Native Charlotte Ian moved away about a year ago back last week found that charlotte has become a very dirty and trashy city and what's going on on the brookshire freeway with the homeless camp is just appalling and the crime problem in charlotte out of control it took 30 years for the leaders of charlotte to get get the city to an elite status and it's taken b lyles and her administration three years to tear it all down I wonder if that'll be the type of speech heard uh, in trying to fill the vacancy for the at-large city council. If someone really talks about the issues like murder and the environment of filth and waste on our streets and homeless people. 143 slots. Hmm. Come on, Mayor Gov. I'm trying. I really am. A sitting president cannot be prosecuted because he's a sitting president. And now Trump is out of office and he can't be impeached because he's out of office. Come on. Have a good day, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not I'm not sure I understand his point, but I don't understand the bill that Biden signed either. And I've been reading it for the last hour and a half. Mm-hmm. On the air. Maybe hey, I'm Pat not. Bo, you got... mm-hmm. <laughs> the caller's trying to interrupt you and, and make sure you don't start reading it. I was going to start reading, start reading <laughs> yeah, go, go back the to bill hey, that Pat Bo, you guys have an awesome show. Thank you. Just wanted to say that if Democrats really believed that Joe Biden had more votes than Donald Trump, then why are they afraid that he will run for president again? Why would they need to impeach him if, if he was already the unpopular one? Hmm. Good morning, Governor and Bo. Hey. Just thinking about your talk about the Biden equity. The Dems want everything to be equal. Should not then all the people holding office be equal? Should it be 50 Democrats, 50 Republicans in the Senate, and half and half in the Congress, half and half on the Charlotte City Council? Things that make you go, hmm. Mm. Well, you're using the word equal. That's not allowed anymore. The new word is equitable. See, you've already made a mistake. They they might they might be knocking on your door in a few minutes. I want to tell you why it's smart to register as an unaffiliated voter. I usually, even though I'm a conservative, request a Democrat ballot in the primary. That way, I get to choose... The most conservative out of the Democrats register as unaffiliated 
It gives you more liberty. Yeah, I want to make a comment about uh, Kurt Schilling and the whole uh, PEDs in baseball. I think once you hit the age of 32, 33, you should be allowed to use something. How else are you supposed to compete with a 23-year-old, 24-year-old? Anyway, love you guys show. Trump 2024. Hmm. Yes, on Schilling. Thank you. Oh, that was to the point. <laughs> this is Joe down in Lancaster, South Carolina, and I was thinking about all this that Amazon's doing as far as uh, shutting down parlor and so on. It, isn't it a little bit like the asphalt company saying only Republicans can drive on this road or vice versa? Asphalt company saying only Democrats can drive on this road. Love your show. Have a great day. Hmm. 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 It's the word of the day. You know, I've been thinking. I've, I've put this down a few words uh, during the break that I'd just like to talk about as we conclude this show. Oh, that, uh, you know, our country faces converging economic and health and climate crisis that have exposed and exaggerated inequities. While an historic movement for justice has highlighted the unbearable human's cost of systematic racism. Do you know that our nation deserves an ambitious whole of government equity agenda that matches the scale of the opportunities? Okay, okay, and I'm sorry, I can't take it anymore. John Moore, crank me up here. It is therefore the policy of my administration and the federal government that we should pursue a comprehensive approach to advancing equity for including people and others who have historically underserved, marginalized, and adversely affected by persistent poverty and inequity. Did you know that affirmatively advancing equity, civil rights, racial justice, and equal opportunity? Someone wrote this stuff and got paid for it. Hmm. Look, at the, look at the time. <laughs>